Good morning. We are in this series uh, called Have You Heard? And it's a series about what? The Holy Spirit. Welcome online, welcome in person. If you've been following along, we've been slowly walking our way through, learning about what the Holy Spirit's role is, who the Holy Spirit is in our life. Happy Memorial Day weekend. I pray you are getting out. I know it's raining. It's okay, still go play in the rain or something. But I pray that you are spending it with family, with friends. And I pray that as we uh, remember, we honor those that have given their lives in service for this country. On to our sermon about the Holy Spirit. A question that we asked last week. And it's a question I want to ask this week and potentially this week and next week are the two most important uh, sermons that are going to be in this series. The question we asked last week is where is the evidence of the Holy Spirit's work? We walked through the chapters in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 and we talked about some of the evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in the spiritual gifts. When the Holy Spirit is working, the evidence is that there are gifts that the Holy Spirit gives that distributes to the church for the ministry of the church. And this week we're going to carry on that theme. We're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. If you've grown up in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard of the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you know a little song or a little jingle that goes along with it. We're not going to sing it today. That's okay. But it's more of the evidence that the Holy Spirit is working. So I've been thinking, maybe... The Holy Spirit's evidence in our lives should be the metric by which we measure things. To the degree that we see the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives should be the metric by how our lives are going following Jesus. It's interesting because what's our normal metrics? Do I go to church? Am I reading scripture? Am I praying? Those are all very important things. But are they the metric that your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with the Holy Spirit is alive and well? As a church, what's our metric for success? Is it how many people we can pack in a room? Is it how many people are watching online? Is it how many views we get? How many likes we get? Is it how great our ministries are? How well I can preach? Is it how great our worship team is? They are amazing, all right? Just tell them that every now and then. They are awesome in how they lead us into the presence of Jesus. But are those things the metrics that we should be measuring how successful we are by? It's a question that we are going to talk about this morning, and I want you to think about and carry it with you when you walk out the doors. What's our metric? See, because if the Holy Spirit is present, alive, and we are allowing the Holy Spirit to work and cultivating the Holy Spirit in our lives, 
we should be praying together. We should be reading scripture together. We should be becoming more and more generous together. And by generosity, I don't mean like, oh, I give 3% to the church uh, to pour into the work of building the kingdom of God in this world because it's a little better than just 1%. And I can't really afford much else. See, generosity is when you go, no, I am going to give. Jesus has given to me, and I'm going to be an outpost, a pouring out of what Jesus has given me. So I'm going to decide with Jesus how much to give, and then I am going to be generous with everything else in my life. My time, my treasure, my talents. I'm going to live with open hands so that when a need comes across, I am going to be quick to say, yeah, I got it because of Jesus. Are we going to become more and more generous with our time, talents, and treasure? See, when the Holy Spirit's working, people are coming to know Jesus that don't know him. Right? Like people that are lost in life, that are looking, find Jesus because of you. Because Castle is walking around the grocery store because for some reason he just feels like he should be at the store that day buying things, buying supplies. And he feels something, the Holy Spirit, tell him, walk down this aisle. And then there's another guy that's walking down that same aisle who had no intention of going to the store that day. It just so happens, like, I feel like I need to go to the store. I need to walk down the cereal aisle. I don't know if you walk down the cereal aisle. But he walks down the cereal aisle, and then Castle is there, and he feels this prompting to go, I should talk to this guy about Jesus. And when he does, the guy goes, I was thinking and struggling with that exact thing when you came and talked to me that day. And you stopping me in the store, taking a step of leap of faith and talking to me about Jesus was the moment that Jesus broke into my life and changed everything. You read through the book of Acts, that's what happened over and over and over again. Evidence of the Holy Spirit working. Evidence of us allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. See, people would be living out and using the gifts that the Holy Spirit gave them. They'd be praying in this language that's intimate and deep. And they'd be praying with God and develop this prayer language. There would be people being healed in our community, mentally, physically, spiritually. There would be healing that would be occurring. Marriages would be put back together. Relationships would be restored. All of the parts of the body would be working together like they're supposed to for the ministry of Jesus for his glory and then like last week there would be love 
And not this flimsy cultural love that we have right now, not this love that says, well, well, if you don't agree with everything that I agree with, I can't really love you. But this love that goes beyond, this love that is patient, that is kind, that deals with people's things, that forgives, that bears with one another, that puts up with one another, that sees past the flaws. That says, even though we don't believe or think the same way, I'm still going to love you with everything that I've got. These are all things that should be evident when the Holy Spirit is alive and working. And so I got to ask, is the Holy Spirit alive and working? This is our metric. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul is talking to the church. He's writing this letter, a group of churches, and he's writing this letter, and there's a lot of division. Uh, These are people going to church, following Jesus, and there is a ton of division and factions starting. Imagine that. I know, that just happened way back then. Uh, We don't struggle with that anymore, right? So he begins in verse 13. We've been talking about this verse throughout this whole year. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not, do not, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. Like, like for, for Paul, this is serious. He's saying if you keep going down the path that you're going as the church, as the body of Jesus, with all these divisions, all this thing going on, all these opinions, all this bitterness, and all this stuff held up. He said, you keep devouring each other, gossiping, talking bad about each other, you will be devoured. I don't know if he could say that with any more seriousness, right? Like he's saying, this is a for sure possibility if you keep going down the path that you are going down. This is where you are headed. So then he says, walk by the Spirit. Walk by, walk with the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit is what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So he sets up this ending, this close coming to a close of the chapter by saying, hey, I'm going to fully realize there are two tensions that we live under. 
We live under this tension of the flesh, and we live under this tension as we come to know Jesus, come to follow Jesus, come to put our faith in Jesus, and as we allow the Holy Spirit to come in, enter our lives, there's two tensions, this fleshly desire that we still occasionally chase after, and then there is the spirit in which we walk by. It is leading us to Jesus to become more and more like him. So Paul, I love it because he's so real. He says there are two tensions in our life. How many would say, yes, I feel those two tensions. There is this part of me where I struggle. I, I, I do things that I don't necessarily want to do as I'm trying to follow Jesus. And then there's this other part of me that is alive and well and pointing towards Jesus. What's the fleshly desire? Well, it's the thing that we naturally do. Like we don't have to try at it, right? Like you take a two-year-old and you tell them not to be selfish. Like for parents, most of us, that's what we spend our life's work doing, trying to get our kids not to be selfish. But you take a two-year-old and tell them not to be selfish, it's foreign language to them. They can't hardly do it. I want, I want, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. What is that? It's this fleshly desire that's there, this, this thing that if we're unattended to, if we just do what, whatever comes to mind, whatever we want to do, that's how it plays itself out. You could say life apart from Jesus, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, plays itself out in fleshly desires. And so Paul begins, he says there's this tension, this fleshly desire, and this walking within the Spirit. And he begins this metaphor, this metaphor of fruit. And he's saying you could walk according to your fleshly desire, and you could walk according to the Spirit, which produces fruit in your life. And he begins this interesting metaphor. If you were to go out to your garden and grow some fruit, does anybody grow fruit, fruit tree, like two people? Man, we need to get more country in here. We, uh, we have raspberries in our backyard. Uh, what is your role as the gardener in growing fruit? Surely fruit just grows on its own out in nature. But if you want it to be really productive, we have some things that we can do as a gardener, as the planter of the fruit. What are some of those things? Water. Thank you to modern technology, we can somewhat control. We have a role to play in the fruit that is produced on our properties, right? We can plant the fruit. We can do what we can to to attempt to get the soil in a healthy place to provide an atmosphere where the fruit can grow in healthy ways. We can use fertilizer. Uh, When weeds come up, we can pull weeds. Uh, We can place barriers around our fruit. So at our house, we have a raspberry patch in the back, and there is uh, fencing around it to keep the rabbits and deer away from them. We can do what we can to protect what we are planting. What can we not do anything about? Like, do we actually grow the fruit? 
No. No, no, nobody that I know has that power, right? Like, we didn't create the sun, this whole process, uh, photosynthesis that you learned about back in elementary school that you've forgotten about. Like, this whole process takes over, which results in fruit growing. As the gardeners, we have a role to play. We can do what we can to set up the environment, to create a place that is as healthy as possible so that fruit grows, but we don't actually grow the fruit. Our role is crucial, but it's part of it. Growing the fruit is actually this lengthy process. That takes time. That takes a relationship. So here's a question. Look back on this last year. What fruit do you see in your life? What fruit has been growing? We'll get back into the verse. So... Paul's sitting there, he's going, there's these two tensions. And I'm going to talk about this in a metaphor of fruit, but there's these two tensions that exist in our life. One is this fleshly desire that we just kind of do, and then one is this walking in the Spirit that is evidenced by this fruit that shows up. And so Paul starts going down this list. He says, acts of the flesh. He's going to map some of these out for us. Acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. He says these three things, he kind of breaks them up into categories. He says these three things are basically a complete lack of inhibition and self-control. And and debauchery is used as a term to describe uh, sex that is outside the protective boundaries of marriage. And so Paul is sitting there going, the first way that you can tell if you are largely being operated by the flesh or walking with the spirit is in how you treat sex in your world. So, So here's just a blanket honest question. What is the role of sex in your life? Is it inside the bounds of marriage, of God's design? Or are there all these places that you're straying, looking at things on the computer, getting involved with people that you're not married to, all this stuff. Like, these are the places that Paul is going, hey, this has to stop. This is an act of the flesh. Complete inhibition, a complete lack of self-control. And it is leading you down a path that you don't want to go down. Idolatry, witchcraft. He's saying the the first place that the evidence that you are actually following the flesh is in your sexuality. The second place 
is in your idolatry in what you are looking towards. What you place. Uh, we did a series a while back called uh, Worship 24-7 and we talked about what's on the throne of your heart. What's on the center of your heart. That dictates what the rest of your life is like. And so a question would be, What's on the throne of your heart? Are you placing idols on the throne of your heart instead of Jesus? And witchcraft is something that uh, you can participate in to gain control in the spiritual realm over others. And so he's moving, saying the first evidence is sexuality. The second evidence is idolatry. And then it moves into the spiritual realm where you're actually manipulating and trying to control the spiritual realm instead of letting Jesus be in control. And then he moves into this series of words that have to do with relationships. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. See, this, these words are all about the relational breakdown. How are your relationships falling apart? He's writing to the churches. These are all Christians that are dividing and showing anger, showing envy, doing all these things because of theological differences. And this is how it's playing out in the relationships in the community of the church. There's bitterness, there's rage, there's all this stuff happening and relationships are being Broken. Saying this is one of the things that the flesh does. It starts to destroy the relationships around you. Then he says drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, he says. As I did before, for those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is taking these things very seriously. Sometimes I think as a church, big church, sometimes I think we need to take these things a little more seriously. We like to pick and choose off the list, don't we? Yeah, sexual immorality, that's bad. We can all agree with that. We may not live our life like that, but at least we can all agree with that. Drunkenness, that's bad. But what about the other stuff in there? What about the things like idolatry? What about, what about the things like Hatred, discord, jealousy, selfish ambition, divisions. Are those bad enough for us to do anything about as a church, 
in our own lives, on social media. (laughs) So Paul says there's this way of the flesh that we all are tempted to go down, and this is what it looks like. So take a mental note. What on that list do you struggle with? And then Paul starts to turn, and he goes, hey, but there's fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Notice, this isn't a plural thing. This isn't like you get one of them. This is all these things are the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life. So the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, it's, it's not this emotional thing. It's more of an action that looks out for the good of others. It's the b- biblical definition. That it's not this emotional thing like, oh, I feel this. No, I'm going to love you regardless. No matter how crazy you are, I'm going to love you. That's what the biblical definition of love is, and that is what Jesus did for you and I. So there's love. There's joy. There's peace. Which he's talking about, there's this state of living that is grounded. That isn't based on the circumstances of life. I can be joyful when I'm not happy. I can be joyful when things aren't necessarily going my way. I can have peace when everything isn't going up and to the right. I can have peace when there's not a prophet. I can have peace. Those things aren't based on life circumstance. What are they based on? Those things are based on Jesus. I can be joyful because of Jesus and what he's done in my life and what he continues to do and what he will do. I can have peace because my faith and my hope and my trust is in Jesus. Nothing else. He continues on. Gets into the relational terms. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. These are all relational aspects. You can see how this mirrors the ways of the flesh, right? You can see how he's kind of going opposite. He's going, instead of discord, instead of hatred, instead of bitterness, instead of selfish ambition, there's this, patience, forbearance, goodness, forgiveness. And it's these terms that aren't super reactive. It's not, well, this person did this, so I'm going to do this. It's no, this person did this, but because of Jesus, I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have peace. I'm going to love this person no matter what. I'm going to extend patience. I'm going to extend forgiveness. And I'm going to live with goodness. 
I've been redeemed. Jesus has already extended all these things to me, so I'm going to extend these things to others, even on social media. Right? Even in the parking lot. Even when you're at home thinking about something somebody said or talking with your friends or with your spouse about somebody else. I'm going to extend these things to others. So he sets up these two tensions. He said there's this flesh and then there's walking by the spirit. And then he explains what each of those things are like. What do those things look like? And he said, here is the evidence for when you're walking in the Spirit. It's the fruit. This shows that you are walking in the Spirit. See, a lot of times, last week we talked about the spiritual gifts. And a lot of times people will point to the spiritual gifts and put those on a pedestal and go, well, that's how we know we're walking in the Spirit. And I would say, no, no, no. Like, that is a small Small part of it. This is the bigger part. Are these things growing in your life? Can you see these things growing? And he goes on and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, uh, he says those... um, Gentleness and self-control, against such things there is no law. And then he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with Spirit. He's going, all that flesh stuff, all that stuff that you're naturally drawn to, all that stuff Jesus has taken care of. You have a new identity. You don't have to just go, well, this is what I do. It's not what you do if you are following Jesus. You have a new identity in Christ. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in Jesus. He loved me and gave himself up for me. If you need a verse to remember, remember this verse. Because every day, you and I need to preach the gospel to ourselves and remind us of who we are, what our identity is. So, it's been a year, right? Like there isn't anybody that I've talked to that's been like, man, this year has been awesome. It's been so easy. People have been so great. Like, I just love social media. It's so fulfilling. It's so, like, just builds me up. I'm, I'm so encouraged when I go on Facebook. Anybody say that? No. No. But it's a perfect time to ask the question. What kind of fruit is in your life? What's growing? You 
you carry this metaphor through, and you go, you're the gardener. What do you see growing in the garden? What do you see growing in your life? Are they things of the flesh? Or do you see this fruit growing? And maybe it's small. Maybe it's just buds of fruit, but you still see it growing. Maybe after this year, you're you're taking a step back and going, oh, man, I have allowed this stuff over here to grow, like this flesh stuff, and I haven't, I don't see much of this at all. Like, I'm angry. I'm divisive. Like, I don't love people. I really dislike people. Like, you're seeing this stuff grow. I get really frustrated when I go on. Like, I'm seeing this stuff grow in my life. And my first check would be, that is a sign of what's growing. See, if you have a garden at home and you're trying to grow fruit, when a weed pops up, you pull it out, right? You kill it. So how can we do that as we garden our lives? When a weed pops up, when this acts of the flesh pop up, how are we killing it? How are we getting it out of there? How are we setting up boundaries? How are we repairing relationships? And that question is, what do you need to do? Maybe for you, you need to go to counseling to figure out why this weed keeps growing in the first place. Man, I keep pulling it and it just keeps coming back and I don't really understand why. Maybe you need to go to counseling to figure that out. To have somebody walk alongside you and help you realize why this weed keeps growing. So the big question for us is the worship team comes up. You may be asking yourself, is this my role to grow this or is this the Spirit's role to grow this? And I would say it's both. Because what is our role? What is our responsibility? Cultivate an environment for the Spirit to do the work. I can't make myself be more patient. I've tried. Usually just goes in the reverse direction. But if I place myself when I'm walking in step with the Spirit, I'm in a Christ centered community, I'm going to church, I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying, I'm doing spiritual disciplines, I'm doing all these things to put myself in a place where this environment is being cultivated so that the Spirit can work and move, I can become more patient, become more loving. Forgive more. Be more self-controlled. So next steps. First one, I just want you to pay attention to where is the evidence in your life? What's there? You'll get a good barometer where your heart is after this year. 
If you just simply pay attention to what you think, what you feel, where is the evidence? What is the evidence? And then the next step. How can you create an environment for the Holy Spirit to do his thing? In your life. Let me pray for us. Jesus, Holy Spirit, we come to you. And we ask that you fill us. We ask as we walk away and we process these two questions. We ask that you would bring to our mind the evidence in our lives. Are we walking more in step with the flesh? Are we walking more in step with the spirit? And Jesus, if we're completely honest, it's probably a combination of both. So Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray you empower us, you fill us. And keep us walking in step with you. In your name we pray, amen.